Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. This week, we are really trying to focus on practical theology. In one sense, it's kind of unhelpful to make a separate category of theology called practical theology because all of theology is meant by God. It's built by God. It's designed by God to be very practical. As one author says, that doctrine is for all of life, not just for part of life. So the knowledge or the study of God, which is what theology means, is meant to be practiced in all of life. And that's going to be one of the the main themes of our upcoming conference, Reformation Boise. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can register. It is November 9th and 10th. The theme is living in between the Christian life in the here and now. You're not going to want to miss it, so go to the website and register. So, in light of practical theology that we are dealing with this week, I wanted to talk this week about catechism. Catechism. For my family, the practice of catechism has been a very helpful practice to teach us theology um, that really speaks to us in a, in a day-by-day way. And I think a lot of our listeners either don't know what catechism is or assume that it's uh, a Roman Catholic thing, but actually the opposite is true. J.I. Packer says that the Reformation happened because catechism was not happening. He says this in his book called Grounded in the Gospel, quote, Indeed, it could be well argued that the Reformation itself was a response to centuries of catechetical decline. A largely uninstructed church had been fertile soil for serious error in terms of doctrine, experience, and practice. Luther and his contemporaries fought hard to reform the church in these areas. Theirs was a call to return to the plain teachings and practices of scriptures, end quote. Brothers, can you respond to that? What does Packer mean? Well, I think when we're talking catechesis, when we're talking catechism, we're reminded that it was part of an oral tradition, that you know a question would be answered, and a question would be asked, and you would have an answer to that. It would be something that was already determined. We know the answers to the questions that we're asking, but they're done with such repetition um, over and over again that they become um, you know, part of our, our understanding and our being. They begin to guide us in our understanding of the whole Word of God. They become the summary of God's Word of God that is communicated on a regular basis we get things by repetition all the time you know it takes you know i had an uncle that was in advertising he used to say it takes six to stick and there was a sense in which you had to hear it more than once you made it have in order for it to be embedded into your understanding and catechism was a way to do that without a without handing somebody a book you know which is read and set aside the catechism question would come back and ask you information and you would repeat it back and you learned what scripture said yeah and for those for those that may not be familiar with with uh 
catechism, and particularly the catechisms of the Reformed tradition. Uh, you know, it's uh, the Westminster Shorter begins with, what is the chief end of man? Right. You guys know the answer, to glorify God, God. And enjoy him forever. Enjoy him forever. Or uh, Heidelberg question one is, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. And I'm not going to recite the whole rest of it because you guys know it. But to me, one of the encouraging things going on today, uh, and particularly you can see it among the Reformed churches, is a revival of catechism. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a long time, it had fallen on hard times and it kind of followed trends in secular education, which started to look askance in, in... in secular education, people started to look askance at memorization, and that was somehow bad. Uh, when, when my grandparents were in grammar school, they memorized, my, my grandmother, to the end of her life, could, memorize, could recite long poems that she had learned as a girl. Yeah. That, was, that was very common in, in education, at, in secular education at that time, and when that fell out of fashion, in secular education, it, it also unfortunately fell out of fashion in the in the church, and we've been impoverished. What I love about catechism preaching, I think, this is what Packer is getting at in that quote. Is um, I was hoping somebody would actually answer that. I'm question. back in. <laughs> I'm back in. Is the the intentionality of it, mm-hmm. um, and so catechism is being very precise in what do they want. What do they want the, the, the person being instructed to know about God? What do they want them to know about the word? What do they want them to know about then themselves and how we live and, and the truths of, of what the scriptures contain? And what happened was you had this, uh, this dearth of, of knowledge and information that had happened um, during the, the centuries just preceding the, the Reformation where, where really what happened was nobody knew who God was. Nobody knew what God's word was, was saying and, and there wasn't direct instruction happening. And so what happened was it created this, this um, hunger, uh, this, this sense of that people were starving for the word, mm-hmm. um, but the church wasn't giving it to them. And then the Reformation came, and, and what you'll find is that in all of these locations, all throughout um, Europe, there, there are all of these catechisms that are, are written, whether that was in Germany, whether that was in Geneva, whether that was in, in Great Britain or Switzerland or, or wherever you have it. All of these people were writing catechisms so that they would be able to have tools to instruct the young people of their day. Um, there's just a little aside, just a story time with Russ. Um, <laughs> one of the gifts that I was given um, when I graduated from seminary was this four volume set that compiled all of these confessions and catechisms through the centuries. And one of the, the teachers that is coming to the, the conference here, one of the speakers, Dr. Murray, said to me, why would anybody want that? <laughs> but I did want that um, because I think it's a beautiful testimony of how seriously the church took um, raising up the yep. next generation. It's really um, Psalm 78 yep. teaching the next generation. Yeah. So um, now I've been pressed back a little bit because um, kind of in, in where my church is like the ghetto reformed. 
I don't know what you mean by that. You'd have to explain. <laughs> well, I just mean that we're, you know, we're not in a in a tradition. We're not in a denomination. We're independent, and I, I I'm not. We call you reforming. Yes, reforming. <laughs> we're reforming. Well, maybe we'll get there at some point. So, catechism in our circles is very, very new. I mean, all three of you brothers are in traditions where catechism is a part of the DNA of who you are, and so um, what I've had to wrestle with in in our particular church is introducing people to the Word that. that that word is actually a New Testament word. Um, mm-hmm. It comes from the Greek word katecheo, and it just means instruction or mm-hmm. teaching or doctrine. Mm-hmm. So before catechism is even in the form of question and answer, it just simply means doctrine and instruction. And that's what Packer's really getting at the quote. The reason why the Reformation happened is because teaching wasn't even happening. Mm-hmm. Doctrine wasn't even happening. Um, there was there was darkness in the land. That's why the, one of the the... Uh, mantras of the Reformation was post tenebris lux, which is after darkness light. And um, that light that came in was catechism. And I don't mean question and answer per se. I mean the light of doctrine, the light of the gospel came in. I think one of the practices that I used for 15 years when I was in the classroom is if I want my students to know something, I'm going to be explicit about what I want them to know. And so I know there's these elitists that like, I'm never going to give a study guide because they should be able to figure it out themselves. I'm like, well, who's the expert in the room? Aren't you the expert? Don't you know what's important? Don't you know what's essential? Aren't you the one that has been trained to to help these people grow in whatever subject matter you're teaching? Then be the expert in the room and say, no, we're going to cover all of this history. And along the way, there's going to be lots of tidbits that aren't important. But I can guide you. I can help you. I can lay before you. These are what are essential during this time period, during this century, during this event. That's what catechism is doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it mm-hmm. it's getting to the the kernel of what's absolutely essential that you need to know. Yeah, um, and I find that to be so helpful. Yeah, because mm-hmm. otherwise I can get lost in the weeds and get lost right. in the details and yeah. go in yeah. a ditch on one side or on the other because you've because you don't have a good guide. Yeah, well, the truth is, is everybody is catechizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, our culture is catechizing. Absolutely. I mean, there's nobody that's not giving doctrine of something and teaching people to live and believe certain things. I mean, we, we see this mantra every time we turn the news or open up a scientific journal, everybody's catechizing. Hey, yeah, that's right. And one of the, one of the criticisms that you'll hear of, of catechisms, the, you know, the question and answer format, is, well, you're just, ha- you're just having people memorize, <clears throat> you're having people memorize somebody else's words. And they're just going through the forms. Um, and my response to that would be, um, have you ever heard, and I know you have, a really good musician improvising on, on the, you know, let's say a jazz musician totally improvising uh, a, a, a solo, okay? They learned how to do that by hours and hours and hours of memorizing scales, mm-hmm. a set form mm-hmm. that they that they practiced so often, those scales, those set scales are just in their bloodstream. It's in, in their DNA. And then they learn, they've learned to improvise. Mm-hmm. That's what catechism does. Yes. It teaches the basics over and over and over and over again until you get it in your bones. Mm-hmm. So my son sits down and, and plays the piano and he just sees the chords and then in his mind he fills in all the details. Mm-hmm. And it makes for a wonderful listening experience. Mm-hmm. 
And I think catechism done well makes for a wonderful experience when they begin to fill in. You give them the chords and then they fill them in. Yeah. And and I think that's when it becomes their own. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Okay, quickly around the table, because we have about two minutes left. What was your first exposure to catechism? So just a quick biography. You mentioned that we come from a tradition that where we catechize, but I didn't grow up in that tradition. But I think the first catechism question that I ever heard was, what is the chief end of man? Mm. And uh, it was repeated often enough in sermons that I'd hear that I knew the answer to that. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Right. Yep. And, right. and, and what it's asking me is, what was the purpose for which I was created? Yep. Yep. That, that's the, that's the really the question yes. behind it. Yep. Well, and I, and I have to admit, uh, my own tradition, I've, I've been in the Presbyterian tradition my entire life. But I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and, and very, it was a very solid, you know, uh, biblically grounded and, and gospel-centered church. But uh, I grew up in that era when catechism, the formal catechism question-and-answer format, had fallen on hard times, mm-hmm. had fallen out of fashion. Uh, I, I, was, I was not exposed, believe it or not, guys, I was not exposed to the Westminster catechisms until I got to seminary. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and learn them there, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, you know once again it, it, it's a there's this historical progression which has been unfortunate that they fell out of fashion and, yeah. and I I hope they're I certainly hope they're coming back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember being exposed to it when I found these things in in used bookstores, and I go, wait, this is really great stuff. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. You got 20 seconds. Uh, basically, it was when I came into the Reformed world, I, I didn't know anything about it, but um, I was given a book at the baptism of our first child called Big Truths for Little Kids, and it, it goes through the, the catechism in a, in a kid fashion, and I think it was more profound for me than it was for my, my children. And by the way, we are giving away that book at the conference. Sweet. All right. That's a good plug. ReformationVoice.com. Sign up for the conference. Hope to see you there. This is the Gospel for Life. 